Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. This episode of the Krabby Pastor podcast comes with a bit of a rant warning. And I don't know, it's it's a rant laced with much love, compassion, and care, especially for those who are called to lead within the local church. So here goes. Over the span of time in ministry, many of us hear of struggling colleagues, and it's usually after the fact, after a fall from grace which, in my opinion, is a form of ministry suicide, you know, I'm going to call it what I think it is anyway, where a pastor sees no other way out and on the subconscious level does something that would warrant their dismissal. It could be after a fall from grace, after troubling issues in their church, where the congregants, you know, get their undies in a bunch about this and that. But it's always after that we hear about these kinds of issues that cause departure from ministry. Maybe we hear that a colleague has departed ministry totally or is now part of some kind of restoration process, if there is indeed one. I mean, some denominations have that. Or otherwise, they've suddenly dropped off the face of the earth and all of it, all of it, all of it breaks my heart and is very uncomfortable. And I think it's uncomfortable for all of us because you never know whether to reach or how to reach out to them. And, you know, you don't want to seem nosy and you don't want to seem uncaring either. So there's a real balance. And at the core of it, though, you wonder about their call and whether they felt defeated, discouraged, depressed, or maybe relieved. And I got to say, hearing about ministry departure really makes me sad. And I wonder whether anything could have been done to help prevent their departure. I wonder about that. I wonder about it a lot. Like I wondered about one I heard about recently on an entire bike ride. I wondered about it. And I wondered because it's, it seems like it's always after the fact. I remember years ago when church planting was really on the roll, you know, quite a few years ago, actually, and there was a high rate of failure with certain models, specifically parachute drop, where you just drop somebody into town, they know nothing and nobody, and say, on your mark, set, go. And in some respects, I felt like it looked a lot like, here, let us pitch you out of the boat. Hey there, can you swim? No? Oh, well. And from my vantage point, they were left on the side of the road waiting for the Good Samaritan to come along. And they were injured as a result of this. So that's what makes me sad is injury to ministry leaders 
And what was done before? Could there have been preventive measures taken? What could we do? What should we do? And yes, I did connect with a couple of church planters years ago, and that is what frequently happens. That was just, I guess you call that anecdotal evidence. And and that is one also of the reasons why I coach, why my passion is for ministry leaders, especially those who are struggling. And what can you do, not after the fact, <laughs> but kind of in the midst of the mess, because God does work in the midst of a mess. One contributing factor is the isolation felt by many ministry leaders. I know women can relate to this on on a different level than men, because there are greater numbers of men ministry leaders than women. So you kind of feel like you're one more step removed and a little more isolated. And then if you're female and you want to do something, you know, out of the box, you know, the people who think out of the box is kind of weird, you know, you're you're isolating yourself one more step. So I experienced that isolation. And by the way, I do want to say this, and I'm sort of, you know, jumping in and and going to do a a bit of a shift. But I want to say, if you have a ministry colleague who is struggling right now, please pass this podcast along. Again, this is why I am a ministry coach, not to try to sell you something every five minutes, but then to encourage and nurture pastors through this podcast. And I, I will say, I will add along that on my website at margiebrice.com, if you go to the Crabby Pastor podcast link, you can send me a message and tell me your Crabby Pastor story or tell me what kind of topic you think I ought to be delving into because that's what the Crabby Pastor podcast is for, or at least that's what I think it's for. (laughs) Might have some entertainment value too, hopefully, but that's what it's for. So if you have someone, a colleague who you suspect even is struggling right now, because sometimes we don't want to say that. You know, we don't want to say that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'll get into that for a minute in a minute here. Many ministry leaders believe they can handle their own ministry stuff in isolation with Jesus. But in isolation. And sometimes they don't have a safe place to talk about their stuff. Sometimes even among colleagues, you don't want to chat up your challenges and weaknesses in some denominations, in some denominations, not all, but some, you just never know whether you could be offloading your stuff and the person or one of the people in your group could end up being your ministry boss someday, a district superintendent in some cases. And then they already know more about you than you really want them to know. And then it could could taint their perspective of you. I I didn't even think about this frankly this was some <laughs> this was something that people have routinely shared with me and said well i i don't want to get in a group because i could be making myself vulnerable to someone who later on could end up over me having oversight over me and then ooh ooh now they they know this about me so um in case you think i'm making this kind of stuff up i've heard this out of the mouths of ministry leaders, you know, basically, I never have to make stuff up. 
because life, and especially ministry life, can be strange enough on its own. So this isolation, whether it's geographical because you're out in the boonies somewhere in a small rural setting, and that's its own set of challenges, or maybe it's a self-protective social isolation, it still keeps you in your own bubble, and then you become a lone ranger. Now, I know this dates me a bit, but I'm rolling with it anywhere. I, anyway, I'm rolling with it. I know lone rangers, lone rangers have the potential to be crabby pastors and to get themselves into really hot, hot water. And that is not a good thing. So I don't know if you, you know, grew up hearing about, I heard about it. I don't think I sat and watched this show ever about the guy on the white horse and he was part of rangers. He was part of a tribe, a group. I shouldn't say tribe because his his companion was a Native American and he did have a companion, So, but it, he wasn't there all the time. But the other guy was part of a, a group of rangers, but he was off by himself doing his own thing. So that's really not where we want to go and where we want to be. Now, some of what triggered this podcast for me was just hearing more situations and stuff. And I'm not going to, you know, erp that up to you anyway. Um, but and then my bike ride <laughs> where I was just mulling over what, you know, what could be done so that we don't hear about carnage after the fact, but that we address issues and challenges while people are in the middle of their mess. Or it may not even be mess necessarily. It might just be a challenging situation. But our friends at Barna, the research firm, just captured what I think fits well with what I'm talking about today. And they say this, while pastors are certainly called to lead and disciple others, they also have an opportunity to receive support and mentorship in their own lives. However, according to research, more than 50% receive no form of direct spiritual support. Now, this is once a month is what they were trolling for. Once a month. One hour-ish per month. Half of the pastors do nothing. And I kind of feel like in some levels, you know, once a month really isn't a very high bar to attain to, but okay. Hey there, this is Margie here, your host of the Krabby Pastor podcast, and I want to urge you to stop surrendering your best self so that you can avoid the burnout that plagues so many ministry leaders. Uh, you don't want to become a crabby pastor, that's for sure. So what I've developed is a self-assessment journal style product called Radical Self-Care Sustainability for Your Life and Ministry. And what I'm going to do is have the link to it in the show notes so you can go there. It will be the best $29 that you could spend. You can spend then your time. Take time. That's something we don't do when we have big issues. You can take the time to explore how you view self-care and how you 
need to pursue it a little more. And I'm not about offering you a checklist, that's for sure. But I want to see how self-care can be knit into your heart and into your life so that you can go the distance that God has for you to go. So here's another little statistic. 38% of pastors talk with someone about their emotional health and mental health. 38%. That's a little over a third, meaning, you know, two-thirds-ish don't bother. Um, Some of what helps in this realm of emotional and mental health is understanding why we do what we do. Uh, That might be um, a psychologist or a counselor would provide that kind of work um, and support for ministry leaders specifically. And you can find some whose expertise is this. And they get it. They get it. Here's another stat. 24%, which means 76% don't do this, they meet with a spiritual director and it says slash mentor. So they put, in my opinion, two categories together that are decidedly different. But they melded spiritual direction and mentorship. Let me dissect that for a moment. A mentor is somebody that has walked a path that you desire to walk. And so you form a relationship with that person and they help you walk a similar path to what they have walked. A spiritual director, and I've had one of those for years, is great at pointing out and helping you discover where God is in the midst of everything that you're doing. And I've had one, yeah, a lot of years. So if you put that group together, both, they meet with a spiritual director slash mentor once a month. That was 24%. Now they did dissect out counselor on here and said 12% meet with a counselor. So 12%. So somehow the, the mental health piece is they dissected it this way, that you're talking with somebody about your emotional and mental health, that's 38%, but meeting regularly with a counselor was 12%. So I can't tell you exactly how that is dissected, but the numbers are low, regardless, they're low. Now, one thing that wasn't mentioned on here is consultant And that's when you have a specific problem and you need a solution and the consultant comes in and tells you what to do. That is a consultant. And some of this detailing of who does what is also on my website. So you can kind of dissect and and figure out what kind of help you really do need. The other thing that wasn't on here was a coach and coaches ask deep questions to help you discover your path forward. That's a really super quick definition here, but they work with you. It's a very empowering in the fact that uh, through the conversation process that a path forward is discovered. And Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. And scripture also says other supporting things about having people in your lives who could help you figure stuff out. Just depends which stuff. And a coach can do both personal challenges. I've had times where I've used a coach to talk about, you know, family relationships and why this sets me off or, 
you know, I've used a coach for that kind of thing as well. And, and one other comment about a counselor or a, an emotional support mental health person is a lot of times what they're going to delve into is how your actions today are being influenced and impacted by past events and in some cases current events as well. But sometimes your family of origin stuff comes up. So all of this brings me to Proverbs 15:22, and this is the way that I learned it. And I don't know whether I just paraphrased it badly or, or which version this is. I mean, I, I'll read you the NIV in a second, but I learned it this way. The counsel of many is wise. And wise is different than smart, you know. Wise is having knowledge and knowing what is the smart thing to do with said knowledge in a specific situation? So that that is wisdom um, for you there. And here it is in the NIV. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So the very thing that um, pastors don't want to do in some cases, because I know there are many that do accountability types of groups, well, and they are a great and huge blessing. But the the group that kind of shrinks back from that, that's the group that I kind of want to press on a little bit to not isolate yourself. I mean, I took this very seriously as I led the merger of four and a half churches to become one and hopefully step into a more missional existence. And I had both a coach and a spiritual director that I did meet with monthly. Again, monthly is one hour-ish, depending, because if you're coaching with me, I'm not going to say, time's up. Yeah, you're out of here. So it's one hour-ish. But I had both a coach and a spiritual director. I mean, I knew God was like infallible, an infallible leader, but me? Uh, Maybe, not quite so much. So if I learned anything along my journey, it's this, and that's no one does big stuff on their own. You know, and some days big stuff just means showing up just showing up. So I'm not clear whether two things count as many, you know, when I had the coach and the spiritual director, but it certainly was something, you know, I just, I felt like I needed help. And and I know I've said in podcasts previous to this, that being able to say, I need help on my journey, that is an act of humility. And that, my friends, is saying before God and others that you don't have it all together all the time and you want other people's perspective on what you're doing. And it's not that you necessarily are going to step into everything that you learn about yourself in a session, but it certainly is eye-opening to grow in self-awareness and understand what it is and why it is that you're doing certain things. I mean, local church work is indeed challenging. Sometimes it's plain old leadership issues. You know, it seems that some local church lay people in leadership don't know or understand how the church is set up to function, even though they've been there for 20 plus years, and that always amazed me, and how some rules, you know, for example, if you have issues with staff or employees, Ministry leaders cannot freely discuss those kinds of things. But yet, when a staff person gets dismissed, you know, everybody can get their undies in a bunch about that and not understand that 
there might actually have been a solid rationale for what happened and how it happened was definitely dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So, but the next thing you know, the ministry leader is standing their ground for what's right, but they're also standing in a lot of hot water. So leadership is a lonely sport. Leadership means you're often, you feel lonely and isolated. Ministry leaders, you know, we need to have friends outside of the congregation. I I know I've heard of it working okay with some friends within a congregation, but you also need a safe place where you can totally, totally be yourself. Coaching and all the other aspects that I listed from the Barna study, you know, those are all great ways for you to have a safe place and get out of your own head so that you can really work on the ministry issues before you. And sometimes they're your own issues as you serve and function in ministry. You know, even how you believe about yourself can greatly limit what you do. And I know coaches are great at helping you discover those for yourself so that you can grow. That's what we want to do. That's what we say. You know, we're making disciples. Well, guess what? We're disciples too. And we need to grow ourselves up and chronically be on that growth path, which I hear you never graduate from, but okay. You know, for those of us who like an end goal and and are visionary, I like to know, okay, did I pass the test or not? But this is an ongoing growth in our relationship with Jesus and an ongoing growth in our trust of Jesus. So I want to say to you, no lone rangers out there, because lone rangers have a very high risk of getting to be crabby pastors and getting into hot water. Get a spiritual companion in some way, shape, or form. It is, my friends, a form of self-care. One, one hour a month, you're, as they say in the L'Oreal commercials, you're worth it. My friends, call me and let's chat. I am here to walk with you and I would love to have a chat about what coaching is and help you discover whether that's the best avenue for you or whether you need to troll around some more. But you gotta get a spiritual companion no Lone Rangers. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor.